0: Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up with a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Megan, and Jesse, the four of us coming at you live as, uh, well, lots of trade talk that we want to get into today. I know we've been talking a lot about free agency and had this overlooming kind of conversation where it's like, really, the Avs could just not go through free agency to solve their problems and make a trade. So I do want to get into that. However... Some actual news, both for the ABS and around the league, before we uh, get into that. Starting with the ABS, Anton Bleed signed, played for Boston last year, has bounced around the league as kind of a depth guy for a little bit of a while now. Basically took our whole show about Avs forward depth and potentially giving opportunities to some prospects and tossed it in the garbage, because it seems like he's now going to probably be one of those depth options on the forward side.
1: I think that's probably a fair comparison. Just looking at what he's done in the span of his career so far, he's the fringy AHL-NHL type. He even, we talked about role players yesterday, the role that he plays is what I think they would hope Sampo Ranta to fill one day, but maybe that's a role in the Eagles lineup that needs to be filled so greatly, kind of a gritty, more defensively-minded winger with PK specialties, and I think that's a role that he's going to fill for the Eagles which now has a lot of questions surrounding a player like Sampo Ranta who you hoped would get more opportunity with the Eagles to fill that kind of role next season. It's a little in jeopardy with this signing, but it also bolsters the Eagles forward group in a necessary way.
2: Okay. Fair enough. Uh, actually, go ahead. Just looking at his underlying numbers, uh, throughout his brief. It's like, it's like, it's like a lot of small sample sizes, yeah. uh, Except for this last year, where he got 32 of his 70 NHL games in, uh, his underlying numbers are real bad. So
1: not very productive. He's hovering at like 0.33 points per game through the last several seasons.
2: Yeah, not uh, not not much of a not much of a point producer, even at the AHL level, which he hasn't yeah. played a ton of
0: recently. But back when he was playing a lot, it's just not a ton of production there.
2: He topped. He topped out at twenty six points in the AHL. Like he's just. It's, it, it, honestly, it's kind of like why, but you know, the last okay, time I felt this way about an August signing, you know, that like guy rolled in and ruled. So who knows? Who knows?
0: Indeed, <laughs> you never want to discount the Avs. Give them some credit for for some of the moves that they make. So yeah. Will be curious to see the actual usage there, given it's a guy with some NHL history. I, I guess let me put it this way: one, do you expect him to start the season on the Eagles roster? And two, do you think this is a guy that the Avs can get through waivers?
3: Yeah. Yes, to yes both. To both questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Just checking. Yes.
0: All right. Well, that solves that. Megan pretty much nailed that in that case then with the uh, more of a defensive minded player for the Eagles side of things with some decent potential of a a gritty bottom six forward to play some games for the Fs. Uh, Moving on to some of the other news, as we did have some relatively big signings in the NHL, granted, they were all internal extensions really more than anything. Uh, Let's start with the Mangiapane one because it's a little bit further away from the the trade conversations we want to get into. Uh, The Flames extending Andrew Mangiapane three years, $5.8 million deal. Um, It's an interesting one for a couple of reasons. It buys two UFA years, but only two. Uh, And then I had this conversation on Twitter. I kind of threw it out there, comparing Manjiapani and Valnichushkin. I think they're they are very similar players in impacts. I understand the way they do what they do is a little bit different, but I'm curious where you guys kind of fall on Apane in general, and and maybe a comparison to someone like a Valnichushkin.
3: AJ always makes I'm, this little face, and I, I always think he's about to say something, and then he just sits there grinning the for set, five minutes. No, I
1: can start. I could start. I probably – you know, I'm not a Magi Apani from last season, so I probably can't speak to his body of work as well as I could Val's. But this seems like a great contract for Calgary because of the impact he has as a player. He's a really versatile forward. He's very productive, and he had good possession numbers last season. So there are ways in which – this game is similar and could be compared to Val, obviously coming in at a much more affordable price for Calgary. Um, but to talk about Val's value to the Avs, we've talked about it a lot too. We know it's a stylistic fit. He wins the Stanley Cup with this team. We can justify the Stanley Cup price tag alongside Val, but there's a perfect argument to be made in the value of each of these players um, being a lot more similar than maybe people are saying. Yeah, it's
3: always been has always been an interesting one for me because I feel like for several years now there's been this conversation of is Calgary gonna move on from Andrew Mangiapane? It's just not working. Are they gonna trade him? Do they let him walk? I I think I remember a couple years ago they didn't know if they were gonna qualify him, and I always thought it was really weird. Because every summer you got these conversations, and then every season he was very effective in his role. Um, and so I've always just thought it was a really interesting relationship. Um, I mean, while he comes in significantly under Val, big time raise for him. I mean, I believe more than doubles what he was making. Um, yep. yeah, I mean, good for him. I I, I like it. I think. And I'm not saying this is enough to make up. Well, I mean it's only a few hundred thousand, right? It's what three hundred thousand difference between him and Val? Yeah, a little, little bit more than three hundred k. To to me, like I I look at that and I say one, you yeah you pay the cup tax, and two, Val's what six three six four. Andrew Mangiapane's five ten. On the
0: flip Small side, number. there, Mangiapane did score thirty five goals last year to Val's twenty five. So look for forever in this league goal scoring has paid it's just reality um but you're you're right the size difference is certainly significant Val's playoff performance also a, another thing of note where he did out, outproduce Manji in the playoffs granted Manji didn't play nearly as much playoffs but
3: and like the 35 goals like that's a pretty that's a pretty big jump from him over his previous career high Um, good I mean good year to have it good year to have your best year in goal scoring
0: part of that is why I thought the conversation between specifically these two was so interesting because both of them had a significant jump in their offense this year they're both in their primes two guys that I think both probably have at least a little bit of a question of how sustainable is this how much do you believe in it uh, from what I've heard, obviously the Avs fan base are, are currently huge believers in Val Nachushkin. I don't think he gives them any reason to doubt that. But I, I was just a little bit curious on, on how the two compared. Um, and at, at the price point that they're at, you know, we've talked a lot about the Avs paying the cup tax to numerous players this year. But at the same time, eh, eh, Mangiapane could have put himself in a place to earn quite a bit more money three years down the line.
2: Yeah. I, that's where I, I the three year thing I thought was really interesting because that basically gets him across the finish line of the expected big cap jump that will take place to the next few years where he'll be 29 years old and he'll get to go do this again. And if he, if he shows that he really is, uh, if he shows that he really is that guy, um, he's gonna get a huge deal, and he comes out a massive financial winner in that situation over Val um not that it's not that they were like competing against each other, but um certainly you know, with all the other things that Calgary's trying to do them them getting him on for for three years at that price is great. that's fine, but I do think that it's um. I think it's I think it's pretty interesting that the abs fans are now. Obviously, you're not going to be upset about, or you're not going to not prefer the guy that just helped you win a Stanley Cup. But Majiapani's pretty good. I I do <laughs> think the burgundy colored glasses are on a little bit with Bell. Not a ton.
0: I think yeah. he's a very good player, especially the first four or five years of that deal. We'll see about the the last couple of years. I think, but I don't think he has a significantly better impact on the ice than someone like a does.
2: Yeah, they're both, uh, they both have elite defensive impacts and Mm -hmm. uh, they both drive the crap out of play, but one guy scores a lot of goals. Yep.
0: And, and to be clear, while it was a big jump in production for Mangiapane,
2: he actually had a higher shooting percentage the year before. Than he did In more game. minutes the year yep. before. So, uh, so it's, it's not, uh, some of this is, okay, how much, uh, how much is this the scoring environment that exploded league wide last year? Sure. Uh, right. it's a question uh, for a lot of, of guys it, right now. It's a, it's a question for Val. Yep.
3: Yeah. Naz, too. Another reason why I think he's still possibly sitting out there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, uh, the the comments in chat about uh, a slow second half uh, for Mangiapane. He did have the one bad stretch, but uh, it actually isn't um, that slow. Well,
3: so and I guess maybe yeah, that's it's it's what, not when... it's
2: it's not that bad. You have you have twenty goals before the the All Star break and fifteen after. You're fine. So, um, it's
3: fine. Rudo, when you say the burgundy-tinted glasses are on, in what respects? I think
0: especially given the time that Val got with the top line, and he did play well there. Again, I I think Val's a very, very good player. I don't want to take anything away from Val. Oh, no, no I don't think you are, yeah. But you look at his actual production, and you look at his on-the-ice impacts – and while I think he's a very good player, he is not someone you would define as a first liner on almost every team in the league. So yeah. I just I think right now the Avs fan base is overrating Val a little bit, especially when you compare him to other teams, players that are similar in value to Val machushkin Yeah
3: and and i guess so where i was going with that was because again just looking at these two contracts yeah what what is the actual difference here i'm trying to do math really quickly on the fly
0: i believe it's 325K. like 325k yeah
3: yeah 325 so like look again I, you step back there's absolutely a little bit of a bump in there because of the playoff run just facts and that i think is maybe where you're where you're spot on Of like are we maybe inflating the body of work a little bit because it was really, really good the last four weeks of the season? Probably. But like, when I step back and look at these, again, we mentioned the size earlier. They have similar, similar, you know, on-ice impacts. But then what Adrian just said, there kind of triggered a thought for me about the the scoring. Because, like, you're 100% right. It's, it's a question for Val. But I think that's maybe where, if you're the abs, you know, fans fans are always going to feel like their players are the best. If you're the abs, I think you maybe feel a little bit more confident though in, okay, even if we lose a little bit of this production, Val just, he, he's, and this goes back now a couple seasons where it's just his, his overall game, his 200 foot game is something that fits the Avs style so well. And it's something they haven't really had in so long that again, you know, maybe, size playoff run and then just hey look even if we don't quite get this exact same finish out of this guy every year what he brings we have nobody else that does
0: yeah it to, it to can't further, be that much of a drop though it he needs to be i would say yeah
3: yeah i'm not saying the scoring can fall off but like just when you look around the league because you're 100 right aj like there's teams all over the place. Val being one of, I mean, there's guys all over the, ah, guys all over the place who are wondering, was this production a product of the increased scoring? I guess what I'm saying is cool. If you take out a little bit of that inflated margin for Val, yeah, maybe it takes it from 25 to 20. You are still very happy with that because of what he provides the 200 feet, the whole 200 feet of the ice. It's 6.1. You are correct that production can't drop off mightily. Well, it,
0: just to play the the flip side of that argument, AJ talked about it with Manji Apone. Look, if his production keeps up, that dude could be making 7 million because of the cap increases in three years. And if the cap does increase in that way, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, an extra 300 K you do not care about in three years. Right. If the cap goes up 10 million or whatever. Right. So it's a good point. That, that is fine. I, Again, I do wonder about those later years with Val. It's always an interesting conversation. Of <laughs> does your seven and eight kind of help lower the cost of the guy, or are you are you paying for some dead years there? We'll see. We're not there yet. Obviously, can't predict the future. But
2: like, l- let's be real here. We're all fine with it right now. It's all good. Whatever, right? Um, we understand that the next five years is kind of the focus of. Win another championship, maybe two, and turn yourselves into uh, a defining team of a generation. But the ABS are the, and we have not talked a lot about this overall. But the ABS are absolutely all in on this group, defying aging curves in a pretty big way, because uh, they are committed to Landeskog. who is 29 years old uh, and has seven more years left on his deal. Um, Nachushkin is 27 and has uh, eight years on his deal. Lekkonen is 27 and has five years on his deal. So that right there, that's three guys. And then you get uh, Nathan McKinnon will turn 27 before the start of next season and you hope with an extension in place uh, that that will be running 7 or 8 more years as well you're talking about that they they are like forward core there outside of Rantanen whose deal expires i believe when he's 28 29 28 or 29 yeah i forget which but yeah 20 uh, 28 um all these guys like the ads are the abs are committed to these guys well into their 30s the I mean, the only guy the only guy that they're like they've sort of hedged a little bit is also the guy with the with the worst track record and uh, the lowest so far anyway in his career the lowest profile in lekenen yep who they're only committed till he's 32 these other guys though i mean you're talking about 34 35 36 years old they're they're locked into these guys for a long time they need these cats to age really gracefully i
0: i think a perfect example of the way this goes bad is the abs themselves look at the post 2001 colorado avalanche they put together some great teams but couldn't get over the hump and then through the mid 2000s kind of got stuck in this middle area where they had a bunch of guys that were aging out but couldn't really rebuild because of that and couldn't really commit to anything because the level of play began to fall off on a number of those guys and it happens to teams all over the place where they get stuck in the middle. And, and look,
2: uh, some of this is the... Jose Sharks Yeah, a great
0: example of right. this today. And, and ultimately, some of that happens to an extent no matter what when you're a championship caliber team. And we're less than two months removed from them winning the cup. So I'm not going to knock it at all at this
2: point. Yeah, and like I said, we don't care about this at all. It's right. the next five years that we're talking about. And however those guys age, you know, we 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 talked about with landiscock, you know, he's he signed an eight year deal and it was like, Okay, well how's he gonna age into it? Well they want to stay in the cup in year one. We don't fucking care. <laughs> you just don't. You just right. like we're we're just sitting here at this point where uh the next couple of years it's gonna be what it's gonna be. But in 2028, when Landis Cog is at the end of his deal, like, we're just not that
3: concerned about that right now. We just well, and, and... <laughs> it's fine. It's two two things, and this this may be a little bit burgundy tinted, but like you do hope Nathan McKinnon's a little bit different because he is so much like speed, skill, power. Like those other three guys that, that you listed, and again, maybe the hope is we're okay with committing to these guys into their thirties because these are high hockey IQ guys. We think their types of games can age well, especially a guy like Landeskog. Like you look at Joe Pavelski, I think that's you know, can can you get some guy a guy who's smart, goes to the net, good leader, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then two. I just fully agree with what you said. Like you had, you said that a few months ago. I mean, it may have even been near the beginning of the season and I laughed. And then like the rest of the show is all I can think about. And you were hundred percent. like, the cap doesn't fucking matter. Like it just, like it does from season to season. You have to be under it. Like there, the it's NHL, not real. Is- it's not real time and time and time and time again. You can get out of any bad contract, and most teams come out ahead. It's crazy. Most teams, like, in an effort to get a bad contract, everyone's like, oh, man, they're so screwed. And two months later, you're like, whoa, how'd they get better? Like, I don't get how they came out on top in this. Even, so if, you like,
1: out of
0: Even if you can't the get only... out of a contract, you can have someone have bone surgery. It's fine. <laughs>
3: it's the... like, like... <laughs> you get to a point where a contract isn't aging well. There's a thousand ways to get out of it. Who cares?
2: The really the only team that we've seen truly, truly back themselves into a corner in which you're like, you're completely screwed, is Vegas. Yeah. Like Vegas has mismanaged their assets so badly in the last few years. This running list of deals that they have lost because they're just they're just giving guys away. You remember when Nate Schmidt got traded to Vancouver for a third round pick and we were all like, Are you for real? That's mm-hmm. it. Little did we know that they would give up Marc-Andre Fleury fresh off winning the Vesna for nothing and then turn around and do it again the next year with Max Pacioretty. I just... The level of incompetence because they had shiny toy syndrome, which is what led them to Max Pacioretty in the first place. Was It was just remarkable to watch where it was like, this is like if a team was run by HF boards. Like, it was tremendous to watch. And also a wonderful example of why that shit just does not work.
3: Well, and then I, the other name that you, you left out there, which it's not quite as big of a name, uh, but they had to give away of getting Dad enough for nothing. Yeah, I mean. Arguably, their best player down the stretch.
0: And they had to give but him it, just it
1: twice.
3: twice.
0: Yeah, they had to <laughs> give <him> away twice.
1: <laughs> they mismanaged
3: and, it. And again, like he's not as big of a name of player, but it's just the fact that they, like, that's now, what, four guys that you just listed that they literally just gave away for, for nothing in return? Because, and this isn't like contracts aging poorly. They just, like, can't ice a team. And so, yeah, that one's a little bit different. But even them, like, he didn't, like the didn't I, exist for a minute. You give away Max Pacioretty,
2: so you can give Riley Smith three year deal, and you're like, "What are you eighteen months from giving Riley Smith away to the Minnesota Wild for future considerations? What the fuck are you doing?" I mm. I do want to get back to
0: to our point we were making about the aging curves of these players and and that situation because I wanted to get to Megan um because. The three of us all lived that in the mid-2000s. I know you've lived through multiple failed rebuilds from the ABS, but I don't think you've really seen a team age out before. So I'm curious what your thoughts are there.
1: That's a great point because what I was thinking as we were having this conversation is looking around the league, I still feel like the Avs have champagne problems because there are other teams that have an aging core right now and they're not really cup contenders. Like we were talking about this with the Islanders, that their core is going to be aging out here soon and they don't really have an answer for this. We talked about, I don't know if we talked, I'm so sorry. We didn't even, it's not exclusive to the Islanders though. You look at Pittsburgh, you look at Boston, they're kind of having to answer some of these same questions about players they've committed to well into the later prime of their careers and if that's going to pan out. And so it's a gamble that other teams are taking, but we've seen it have some success now, and so we don't know what comes next for the Avs in the future. And I guess because I've seen some of their worst hockey, I'm in a similar boat where I'm okay with this for right now because I I don't really know what to expect. It It's in the hands of mother nature at this point as far as how these players well, are going to age. It's, to it's not a Hockey Jesus. Problem. It's up to Hockey Jesus. It's not a unique problem to the Avs. So what, Kale McCarr
2: doesn't have enough on his plate?
1: He's going to carry. He's got to decide the fate of all these aging <laughs> cores, AJ. The, the rules are about bringing the Stanley Cup to space, where he's from. Well,
0: based on <laughs> Megan's one tweet, Kale McCarr doesn't age, I guess. So, <laughs> and yeah. It, and honestly, it is-
1: it's because I don't want him to age. <laughs> it wasn't to, like, infantilize him. I know he's a baby-faced angel, but I just don't want Kill McCarr to age. I don't want to think about that.
2: I
3: will could say,
0: though, though,
3: that... To space? Like, Can you, you hit up a cup on just... and be like, Hey, I got the day with the cup. Can I borrow a jet or a rocket? Like... Yeah,
0: I'm sure you could take, like, the space planes that, like, yeah. give you a little zero-G. I don't know if they'd put it on an actual, like,
2: rocket for you, though.
3: <laughs> Strap in Philip Pritchard. Sorry, AJ. I fully interrupted you for nothing.
2: You're fine. It's 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 August, bro. <laughs> um, I I do I will say though that some of those aging cores that you the Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington's worth. They got Stanley oh, Cups. Yeah. They're like we're good now. Boston having lost a, a game seven that would have gotten them a second cup and really validated that as like a a great, like a, one of their better cores of all time, I think is, um, you know, a disappointment for them, but like they were, they were within a game of it. So no shame there. Um, those the guys, you're talking about players. like franchise great players there. It's, it's the other teams, you know, it's, you're looking at Dallas and you're looking at Tyler Sagan is 30. He's all, He's 30. Jamie yep. Jamie Ben is thirty three, and those and guys they're, are. Sucks now. Yeah, those guys are making nineteen million dollars combined between them. Joe Pavelski is thirty eight, and like, are there some good young players in Rupe Hints and Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger and Miro And Totally, there are some nice players there, but that is a team that was a bottom barrel playoff team a year ago. Has not gotten significantly better. Has gotten one year older, and you're talking about aging cores, and you're like, ah, that is like your your like nightmare scenario. You're old. You're on the cusp of the playoffs, not a championship. The playoffs, and your your plan for cup contention seems to be prayer. So I guess we're back to hockey, Jesus.
1: <laughs> it all comes so. Back to- yeah,
2: like I, that's that's what I think is like the fear is that you turn into Dallas, you turn into Vegas. Now like Vegas this. had like the ideal start to a franchise, so it's like look, six years and it's hard to it's hard to like feel bad for them, but like they're facing a really really ugly reality here pretty soon. Yeah, um, and I would say it's not that far off.
0: I, if a I will couple say, of things
2: really don't go their way. But uh they I, I mean they they are gonna be facing a pretty ugly reality here. As the rest of their division rises, they're gonna be smashing into that concrete wall uh of an aging curve. Yes. And what do they have to show for it? A, a whole bunch of missed opportunities.
3: And, and, I will say I
0: think uh Dallas's plan is hope that Jake Ottinger is hockey Jesus.
2: <laughs> That <laughs> he's Igor Shostakin and yeah. <laughs> the 950 save percentage.
3: But well, like even then, you mentioned San Jose earlier, and I think I think San Jose, Minnesota, just a few years ago, and they you know had to make well, a deal with Hockey Satan to get out of it. Yeah, um,
2: taking <laughs> but, their know, lumps though.
3: Right. You know, St. Louis was stuck in the dreaded middle for decades. And it's funny because Blues fans like dunk on people on Twitter for this, like, "Oh yeah, well, we didn't to the playoffs twenty-five out of twenty-six years and had nothing to show for it. What do you have?" And then they finally win a fluke cup, so you know they kind of they're they're free, you know, they're out. But like with the Abs winning a cup, like you said, six weeks ago, right immediately, your worst case scenario is your Boston. Yeah, you win a cup, and now your for bo- the next, you're Washington years, too. Right. Yeah. You know, Oh no,
2: you won a Stanley cup.
3: (laughs) Your core gets close conference final here. You know, Boston, you know, you mentioned they lost in game seven. They lost in six games. The lockout shortened a year to Chicago on that brutal two goal swing in like 14 seconds or whatever it was. So, I mean, like you got twice, you were within single digit wins of another Stanley cup. Obviously it's disappointing to come up short, like, that's a core that they've been relevant. They've been near the top of the East for over a decade. Several cup, uh, you know, cup runs. I mean, win.
2: they're three wins shy of being what we talk about as Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That's, I mean, Boston feels fine. Should feel fine.
3: I, well, and messed up part was one of them was two Chicago's. Like, they literally could have, like, snatched the, the, the crown right from their right.
2: hands. Uh,
0: okay, we we are
3: aging curve, smaging curve.
0: We are brought to you by Avaca TV, who have expanded their channel lineup. Of course, they still have your local channels, which you can get, but they now also have NFL Network and 60 entertainment channels, including news, movies, and more. So, a bunch of new stuff coming to Avaca TV. They also have, you know, the DNBR channel, which pretty cool just just throwing it out there if you have a you can just flip us right on on your tv so be sure to go check that out it's just 25 dollars a month uh plus a five dollar receiver fee and you can get ten dollars off for the first three months when you go to avaca.tv slash colorado 10 that's evoca.tv slash colorado 10 to get 10 bucks off your first three months of avaca Obviously, you can turn in to tune into all of your Colorado sports there, whether it's Altitude, ATT Sportsnet, or of course, Broncos games nationally. So jump on it, join the Avaca TV train today. And then you have a TV you can sit in front of and sip a beer when you are watching whatever sport it is that you prefer. Make sure that beer is a Breckenridge Brew, the official beer of DNBR. Uh, dozens of different flavors at this point. Every time I go to the liquor store, I'm like, oh, there's a new Breck Brew flavor. I have never seen that one before. Dope. I guess I will try that one. And they're always delicious. So you can't go wrong there. Um, They're in all of the lower 48 states. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in Colorado. You can get it just about anywhere. Go to your local liquor store. Find yourself some Breck brew. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Go on over to... I don't I don't know the place. I, I promised I'd shout out the guy who sold Ali her car. So shout out that it's, guy.
1: It's Toyota Mountain State. There you Paul, go. Paul. Paul from Toyota Mountain State.
0: <laughs> so that guy, you know who you are. Shout out yeah, you. Paul. Told you watch every day. So much appreciated. Um okay. So Jesse had brought up this name a couple of times in, in maybe a potential trade target, something like that. Jesper Brat signs a one year, 5.45 million dollar deal with New Jersey
2: to avoid uh, arbitration. This hey, makes they... no sense to me. This is the stupidest situation in the entire NHL. <laughs> I don't understand. What the hell is New Jersey doing? Yeah, I, I don't get the one year deal. Why, why are you so reluctant to commit to a player who you drafted, developed, and has done nothing but excel and continue to get better in your current climate. What are you doing? Why aren't you rewarding this guy? What do they know that the rest of us do not about a guy who's only been on the up? I, I Legitimately, it makes me wonder, Like, what is he doing away from the ice that has that organization so nervous? Because whatever their problem is, if it's on ice, what the fuck are they watching?
3: Right. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a guy that whose name was floating out around the trade deadline this past season. And I, I remember, like, once you start digging into it, it's like, why are they interested in moving this guy? Uh, and again, you know, that was why I mentioned it, like you said, a week ago, two weeks ago, where New Jersey doesn't seem to have much interest in someone who appears to be a very good player continuing to rise. What is he, 23, 24? 24 uh you know young guy and seriously i mean they last week uh and and I, I just don't get it so you know like i'm sitting there and and this is even more evidence of it and again this feels a little pulley Yarby ish where it's like did you just do this deal so you have the option to move him um and to aj's point what is it that they're not seeing that we're seeing or what is it that they are seeing that we are all not seeing um because yeah. all indications are this is a very, very good player that they just don't really have interest in holding on to. Well, and they. Similar- the-
1: Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. The similarities between the reluctance from each organization towards both these players, Polygarvey and Brat, is really curious to me. Like, Brat, he's above a half point per game every season in the NHL outside of his rookie season good possession numbers, can play off wing, and he's so young, I don't understand what the reluctance would be surrounding him unless it is to build up for a trade and get some kind of assets in return to fill a positional need that they feel otherwise isn't being met.
0: So the part that's weird to me, like with with Harvey, I get it, you know, obviously there were some weird conversations there before he really found his stride in the NHL in Edmonton, but with Bratt, He's come in. You guys have already said it. He was an immediate impact player for them as a sixth-round pick, so an absolute steal there. And then the part that I really don't understand is he fits their aging curve perfectly. He's a guy who should easily slot in next to Jack Hughes for the next six, seven years if they wanted to keep him around for it. And they just don't seem to want to.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's a... it's a really weird like going the one year. And I can understand being like, Hey, we, we want to lock this guy in long term, but we don't want to pay out the nose for a guy who just had by far a career year. But you think it's going to be cheaper next year to do it? If he goes out and does it again, you think it's going to be any, any better? Like I'm, I guess I'm just confused. Like, this is a guy that's done everything for you, that uh, has developed and done everything that you want. And look, there are two sides to it. If he doesn't want to, then that's one thing. But I just, going uh, to go into arbitration and slap fighting with the guy seems odd to me. Um, when all the, re- for all the reasons that we've talked about, the, the aging curves, the, uh, the core, he's, like, internally developed They just gave a huge contract to Andre Pilat And it's like, you need to be adding Andre Pilat to these guys. Not replacing them. Especially because they have very few long-term commitments uh, outside of, uh, outside of like, Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. And I guess now Andre Pallott.
3: Well Well, and again, like... This is a name that was floating around at trade deadline time. Like this isn't a, oh, what are they doing now in the summer? And again, don't know how serious it was, but there was kind of a conversation that they don't know if they'll be able to sign this kid. And to the points we were just making, I I just can't, like, I can't understand why. Ah, we just, we can't sign a 24-year-old 70-point getter. Like, What? Like, I, I, just, I just don't get it. And, and uh, yeah, the relationship seems maybe soured. I can't imagine this helped. Um, he's an RFA after next year, so it's not like he's just going to walk. But, I mean, like, yeah, this is a guy to me that, again, using the Pulley RV comp, like, I'm now officially keeping an eye on Jesper Bratt because why else do this deal if your goal isn't to move him at some point?
2: And when you look at his underlying numbers, they get, they're get they getting better every year. Right, right. He's, he's driving play at a higher level. He drove play at an obscene level last year. And defensively, uh, he was like league average last season. So, okay, you get a guy that's driving play at a really, really high level, and he just dropped 70 points. Like, wow. This is a guy that when the Devils are not in the playoffs again next season, That at the deadline, like, maybe more than JT Miller, this is a guy that you're looking at Colorado and being like, hey, that 2023 first sure is nice. Yep. And maybe that's a – like, that's – this is, like, the highest end of that conversation, I think, when you're talking about potential rentals and looking ahead to teams that might actually be willing to move a guy. And,
0: yeah – Obviously, with Brad, you have to have a whole conversation there of is it even a rental,
2: or are you looking at giving that guy seven million dollars the next year or something? Well, and that's as as Jesse mentioned, he's an RFA, so it would be right. the Lechonin situation yep. that the Avs were in this year, where he's at the end of the RFA, uh, but you know you can retain him for another year, so it's going to cost. It's it's going to be a, a a pricey acquisition, yeah, but a, but a high end one and. The only real problem here with Brat is, uh, and and Colorado is, where does he play? You know, if if Rantanen is the guy that they move over uh, and he's their their answer at two seed, then there's an obvious answer there. He plays with Lekanen, I guess, uh, and, uh, on that wing, on the uh, the other wing there. You're like, great, awesome, now we know, but. Would they really even have the money to to bring that guy back uh, at the, the kind of price that he wants? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, but, I imagine it'd
2: be tough. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money devoted to your top six when you do have a Bowen Byram contract coming up. You do you are starting to have the Devontae's con conversation of, can you keep him? I think right now we're all kind of writing it off like, that's not going to happen. But boy, you sure would like to find a way, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean. This is just it's – a, it's a unique one, though, because, in my opinion, again, like, you're talking – it's part of what makes this situation so weird in New Jersey. You're talking about a 24-year-old kid who just put up 70 points. Like, obviously, he's got to go out and do it again. The conversation we had earlier with Manjipani and Nachushkin and Kadri – How much of it was a product of the big scoring bump? If the scoring doesn't continue at the same pace this next year, uh, do his numbers fall off? But I mean, like, to me, you sit there and if, 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 if you were to bring a guy like this in, you're 100% right. It'd be tough to keep him. There's a lot to consider. But like, you almost kind of reset that aging curve by like a year and a half, two years by adding a guy like that. So if it costs you a couple, a guy or two down lineup. Again, you just deal with it. You deal with it as it comes, and you have a really, really – I mean, as good of a top six as you're going to find anywhere else.
2: The problem is that it probably costs you New Hook. Mm. Like, it's your 2023 first, and it's New Hook. Like, you're at that point. You don't it, have much else to get. I mean, if
0: Jesper Brett puts up another 70-point season – and I love New Hook,
2: but mm-hmm. – like, that's what you're hoping New Hook is, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. right. And, and if Miko ranton can actually prove uh, he's, a he's, yeah. <laughs> he's... a center. Yeah. ...the 2C there and he's fine. Like, if those two... If those two really high-end things take place, then maybe you are more more comfortable with moving on from a New Hook at that point. Because is that is that the kind of deal that you would need to have in order to move on from new hook is a young player like a Jesper brat, who's had a couple of great years that can just drop into your lineup and be a high end player for you. There's no real projection. There's no real guesswork involved. You're just like this guy's a stud. Let him do his thing. That's that's cause to me that's it's not JT Miller. I'm not I'm not trading for JT Miller fam. I'm not I refuse. <laughs>
0: uh, now is a great time yeah. to remind everyone we are going to get into some trade talk. We're going to talk about rentals or possibly other trades on this show. It's August. Uh, the trade deadline is more than six months
2: away. So See, what we did this time is we got to jump on all y'all because usually it's our chat and it's the listeners that are like, "Hey guys, we want uh, we're we're going to immediately look forward to the next thing." Like, I'm surprised we haven't gotten questions about the next expansion draft year. <laughs> but <laughs> but we decided we're getting the jump. We're we're getting ahead of this. And we're, we're talking deadline before anybody asks about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> First four months of the season, we're just going to point you guys to this show. That's how First it
1: works.
0: No, I, I did want to do this show because of our free agency talk. We've had a lot of free agency shows end up with maybe the Avs just don't do anything and address it in a trade later. Again, by the deadline, teams are going to be in it and out of it, and it's going to change the effect of of who's realistically available, but I did want to get some early potential targets from the abs here. Um, I'm assuming all of you did your homework, brought me a couple names one way or another to take a look at. Uh, Whoever wants to start. Throw it Yes for Brat. Thanks for that. <laughs> I put his name in the
2: title, so you
0: should have I was known. kidding. I was <laughs>
3: kidding.
2: <laughs> I'll let somebody else go. I've been talking a lot.
3: Megan, go ahead.
1: So, I feel like I misunderstood the assignment only a little bit. I base trade targets based on like who... Um, avoided arbitration because there might be some leverage that they might be unhappy with their current situation and might be willing to move around the deadline. And things like where teams stand with the cap right now, like who might need to shed cap before this happens. Um, So anyways, I had Jesper Bratt as a trade target, but it feels like this answer was fed to me given the title <laughs> and the graphic for the show, and Pully Rv, But we've been having the Pully RV conversation, too. Mm-hmm. It's so similar to the Jesper Brat conversation. Um, but Pully Rv has had a little bit more of a streaky last several seasons. Some of that has been interrupted by COVID. And I see opportunity, too, with just the feelings I get of how he's valued in Edmonton, that this is someone that they'd like to move and receive assets in return but we alluded to this with new hook i think the abs are kind of asset poor right now the trades are going to be at the expense of something kind of big so it has to be something they are in desperate need of positionally and not just because oh there's a great option out there um so i feel like i'm rambling a little bit but my answers are bat and not rambling I enough. I, I-, I feel like we've covered it a little bit as to the why um But what I will say, and I didn't really prepare a better answer for is if we, or we, if the Avs did go the route of having a winger be the option to start the season, someone like Jasper Bratt, um, they would still probably want a more long-term option for 2C, and that could be something that they're looking at more seriously around the deadline because they're not trying to make any brash decisions right now if there isn't a good 2C option, which is kind of where we're at with that. and so I don't know who that might be around March time frame, but I think that's what they would need to be looking for just because um, Miko at 2C long term concerns me.
0: For the record, I was perfectly fine with normal trades, too. Didn't have to be rentals. Uh, but I love, I, up, <laughs> I love that you brought up... more
1: questions.
0: I love that you brought up Brat and Puyu Yarvi together because I think there are some similarities to their situations there, but you look at the players and it's very different, right? Puyo Yarvi, you're looking at maybe not necessarily a reclamation product project, but that's a middle six guy compared to brat. Who's a hard top six guy at this point for you. Yeah. Um, so going forward, you know, Puyo maybe a little bit more affordable, maybe fits Let's be honest, the guys the ABS have targeted over the last handful of years, the Lekanens, who were playing in middle sixes, Val Michushkin, who they targeted for a middle six role. And I know that was a free agency move. But they tend to find those guys in the middle a little bit more. Yeah,
2: Burakovsky. Yeah, Burakovsky, exactly. Ozan awesome Kadri was the 3C in Toronto when they, when they made that deal. I mean, they're basically just farming other teams' depth charts going – which guy do you, uh, are you not valuing properly? Devon Taves is like the fourth guy for the Islanders. Like,
3: Why do we need to develop people when we just have other teams do it for us, and then we'll take them <laughs> off their hands once they can yeah. afford to you And then
2: they'll get good, they'll be undervalued, and we'll trade you second and third round picks and make you feel like, hey, I got right. a pretty good return for this guy. We got something,
3: yeah.
1: That's what makes uh, it hard to think about new hook being moved because that would be an opportunity for the abs to demonstrate that they can develop a young player. And I'd like to see that through, but not at the expense of greater things.
2: Yeah. I mean, see the, the the key here is that everybody still thinks he's going to be good. So you got to move him before the jig is up before he (laughs) gets, before he gets exposed to the bum. Here we go. Here we go.
1: (laughs) He's waiting for this one.
2: All right, so before before everybody realizes that he's maxed out right now and he's just left-handed JT Comfer, oh. they've got to move him right now before everybody figures it out. I'm on top of the game. I got this. I went to the dentist okay, I'll bet you This a... is
0: way worse torture than that.
3: <laughs> I'll bet you could have gotten a couple teams to give you more than you would expect for JT Comfer this summer after the play- playoffs he had
2: yeah probably a second or third round (laughs) right right right. that's what i'm saying and you got something (laughs) Um, you're good you've already got
3: his replacement in house yeah you're good uh so uh, again i'm gonna elaborate a little bit more on because i i brought two names that are like these are the two guys that Hold that
0: thought then. I want to get into your names, but we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. That was 20 minutes ago.
3: (laughs) Time flies. You're having fun. Am I right, friends? Eh?
0: (laughs) Go over to DraftKings. Get in there. Use the DNVR code when you sign up for a new account. Uh, When you sign up for a new account, you can get your first bet matched up to $1,000 right now. So jump in on that. Your first bet. It's a total free roll. You get a total free roll on the first bet to jump in on it and, and try to hit something uh, with the crazy bet. It You can go over there. You can bet on all sorts of craziness. I was betting on uh, the FIBA women's basketball tournament the other day. Uh, made some money on two south. I think it was Brazil and Colombia. Brazil took that one down handily. So and if you're looking for international competition DraftKings pretty much has every single one at all times in every single sport <laughs> get in on that uh also when you go over there with DraftKings you can do all sorts of bets like same game parlays all sorts of action to get in on you can follow their daily profit boosts they have some of their boosts are like surprisingly good when they just their daily one is like hey 50% profit boost for any MLB bet today it's like all right, cool. Seems seems like free money to me. Uh, so weird. go over there, jump on it. Use uh use the DNVR code again when you sign up with DraftKings with a new account. Must be twenty one or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply to so DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call one 4700 two two four seven hundred. All right, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, Jesse, you're you're free to go.
3: Thank you. Ugh, finally. <laughs> no. I'm um pull pull P- he's he's the the first name that I've got. And a lot of it has to do with what we just talked about in terms of the Avs don't have a ton of assets to play with. They've got the most valuable one, which is the 2023 first. Um but you know, we, we talked a lot about their prospects the other day, and to AJ's point I know you're joking and you know being funny stuff like the jig is kind of up on Shane Bowers and Martin Kaut um you know Maltsev is maybe the one guy that you can sell like some upside on like all those other guys you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get like tremendous value for him because teams are gonna look at you and be like cool why haven't they played for you then in four years five years and I look at a guy like Pulley Harvey and and he just he profiles so similar to similarly two players at the abs pro scouting has dug out from around the league, free agency waivers, lower level trades who can come here to, to Colorado, to Jared Bednar's system and thrive with some very talented players playing next to him in a system that I think would suit the way he plays. Um, And to me, it's just kind of a low risk high upside move and and if it doesn't pan out you got a middle six guy for a year maybe you sign him you know maybe you bring him back for a year or two and you get some decent uh middle six contribution so i I really like that move whether it be now or at the trade deadline i just think it's a it's a piece that wouldn't cost you very much for a team that doesn't have much to pay that's kind of what you're hoping for
0: what's uh What's the thing we've said on every show for the past month and a half? You don't want Alex Newhook to be JT Confer. Give him some talent on that third right. line,
3: right? And and you know, there's a guy that he hasn't he hasn't scored the puck ultra consistently, but you know he's he's an okay finisher in terms of what you're looking for on a third line guy. Um, and then again, I I'm just gonna kind of keep pounding the table on this one especially around trade deadline time when the money is way, 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 way easier to make sense. You know, you look at Chicago and you look at a guy like Patrick Kane, if you're really trying to cash in on this next five years, especially waiting till deadline time when the money's more manageable. um, And then knowing that he can walk at the end of the season, if, if you can't bring him back, don't want to bring him back, whatever, Um, I just think that's a piece that since it looks, I I would be surprised if Patrick Kane finishes the season as a Blackhawk. Um, since it's a guy that they seem motivated to move on from that old core, if you can bring in a a player that skilled, um, at the end of the year to add to a, a Stanley cup push right at the end of the year,
0: I'm in. I, I want to get Megan's thoughts on Patrick Kane because she was kind of giving you the stink face a little bit. It was
1: actually about Monahan in the chat. I'm so oh, sorry. Okay. I was, okay. I was like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not super high on Patrick Kane, but it's just for like silly girl reasons that I just not Aren't
2: sure about. Totally him. valid and reasonable as a I human it,
1: being. He might yeah. be a my horrific
2: face, human being. Yeah. Yeah. My,
1: my face was actually Deshawn Monahan, so my apologies to Deshawn <laughs> Monahan. <laughs>
2: It's, the thing with Sean Monahan is you don't you don't take the chance of him being a reclamation project when wow. he's at six million dollars. You wait a year, you wait till he's in free agency, and then you give him a million dollars to see if okay now he's a reclamation project. Yeah, yeah At yeah, that yeah, point, yeah. at that point, he's still a six million dollar guy that you're you're using a healthy chunk of your cap space at the deadline to like figure it out. Uh, that's that's not when you do that. You wait until that contract expires and he's a free free agent. Then you give him the Jared Cowan PTO and you just hope for
0: best. So Megan did bring up a great point with Patrick Kane there too. And it's very, very easy to always think about players as strictly on ice and what's going on there. And there's no doubt Patrick Kane is still elite. Every team would love to have him as a player on the ice, but sometimes (laughs) things aren't that simple so yeah. most
1: of you know most hockey guys are, are great guys so it's just like the abs have such a good culture in the locker room i want them to build on that especially character wise so if they just if there is a better option character ethically wise i'd like them to lead into it
0: yeah i, I mean just for look sure. at cogliano and how that worked out for them
1: yeah it's a good fit.
0: um as far as on the ice I do think it would be an interesting look to go get Kane, because you kind of end up with a whole lot of wingers. But you you could have this conversation, and and I'm AJ's going to immediately dunk on me and say, no, you put Patrick Kane with Nathan McKinnon. But I do wonder if you have a Miko Rantan and maybe struggling to drive play a little bit down the middle on your second line, Patrick Kane can drive the hell out of play up the wing for you. Yeah. mean well, if that's the case trade for a fucking center. I I hear you. And I I would prefer a center to be honest with you, but if you go the Kane route, that's an option to make that situation work.
3: Well, and you I think in that situation again, in that in that scenario that you just laid out, like I think yeah, you're 100% right. You slide Landy down cuz he's so versatile. You slide him down to kind of give the support to Miko and allow Miko to do a little bit more creating, but I guess that's what's that's what's fun and the reason that I bring up Patrick Kane, despite very valid off ice not liking him, a lot of people um, is he just gives you on like so much versatility in that top six for the end of the season there, you know, coming out of the trade deadline, the options for what you could do there. even though you really only have one center. Um, It just, it gives you a lot of kind of mix and match combinations that if he's even, if he's still in Chicago, if, you know, around the trade deadline, they're willing to eat money. The cap numbers make, you know, makes it a little bit easier Um, for, for eight weeks. Why not? And then, and then you let him walk and you get to go and, you know, we feel better morally.
0: You're doing your team a disservice if you're not looking at one of the best players in the league at his position, right? Just just a matter of fact.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: all right. AJ, you got some more names for me? Yeah, I mean, I think I look at Vancouver and I wonder kind of what's going on there. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, are they any good? <laughs> because... Right, yeah. uh, because if 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 they are good, it doesn't matter. They'll they'll hang on to their guys and they'll do whatever. And you know, JT uh, JT Miller, everybody else that's a pinning UFA, it just doesn't matter. Um, Miles Wood isn't actually any good, um, so you should probably stop pounding the table for him. Um, the one guy that I would be curious about, though, uh, out of Vancouver and. I mean, I will also say, yeah, Luke Shen could be fun. Um, but uh, I would say I'm I'm curious what's going to happen with Bo Horvat.
3: That was because
2: amazing. because that's a guy that he's got one year left on his deal. He's 27 years old. Uh, he'll he turns 28 uh, at the end of the regular season, and he's more he's more of like a two C ish type. Um. Vancouver's used him pretty heavily, like, defensively, uh, and, and that's hurt some of the underlyings, but they're still solid. Like, they're okay. He's not special. He's not, like, a an amazing player, but I think that that's a solid, like, that's a solid guy that they could probably pick up. Um, you know, again, it would be costly. That's a, that's a new hook. That's a first-round pick, and then that's an expensive follow-up contract, but... That's also a guy that slides perfectly into your aging window. He turns 28 at the same time the Chushkin and Lekin and all your other guys turn 28 and then your top six really would truly be set like that's and it's good to go. You've you've got your six and then you're trying to figure out your entire bottom six from there uh, beyond Ben Myers and Logan O'Connor. You don't have a bottom six uh, locked in over uh, a number of years. So uh, that's I think that's an interesting conversation that um, you know it, I, I don't know what their appetite for moving him would be. I guess I would say if they were if they were really out of the postseason race, what went wrong because if you look at that team on paper, you know Demco, that's a good starting goaltender, Quinn Hughes OEL, like their their defense is okay. And then up forward between Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, Miller, and Garland, um, they made a pretty big investment in Mikhaev. They've got Kuzmenko coming over from the KHL this year. Pod Colson is a year older. You know, I, you're looking at it and you're like, are you really Are are you if they miss if they miss, something feels really wrong there. So I guess with Horvat, that's – Horvat would be uh, – I think I would have Horvat and and Pierre-Luc Dubois like, my two guys where I'm saying, I'm trying to solve the two-seat yeah. conversation. I'm not trying to put a Band-Aid on this thing because if I am, maybe that's more Joe Pavelski, assuming the stars are out of it because this year they were sort of, ah, they're on the tip. Uh, they're right on that cusp of playoff contention. Right where and, they can't really sell, yeah. Yeah, and they were – they were kind of in that, in that position of, you know, the, the, they were also talking to him about an extension. He liked it there. Um, cool. Like, okay. But if, if he's 38 and he's having another productive season, are they really just going to keep doing like, okay, we'll extend you at the deadline every year and play that game. So, uh, from like, I, I wonder about how good Dallas will be. And, uh, if Pavelski is a guy, then the, hey, that's a guy that makes a lot of sense, especially because if you trade for him, he can't play against you, yeah, which is yeah, the yeah. ultimate fear. So, he, you know, you save yourself
3: some goals against.
2: Yeah. And, and, uh, so I would wonder, I, I think that's kind of where my list would start, where I'm, I'm looking at, you know, another guy. I, I expect he gets an extension at some point this summer, but if he doesn't, like, and they don't uh, – they aren't in the playoff conversation. You know, you call up Detroit and you ask about Dylan Larkin as kind of your shooting for the moon because Sweet. his his speed would obviously be a
1: picture-perfect yeah.
2: fit in Colorado. You put that guy next to Arturi Lekkinen, Val Michushkin, Gabe Landeskog, Nico Rantz – girl, please – like that's so, a that's a team that you get out in open ice and not even Tampa Bay selling out is going to stop you.
3: So let me let me kind of throw something out there, get some opinions. Given what just happened with Johnny Gaudreau, and then immediately after uh, Matthew Kachuk and mm-hmm. just kind of this new wave of player that we're seeing coming in, you know, younger. Uh, not afraid to speak their mind, not afraid to speak up on behalf of themselves, on behalf of teammates. Um Do you think that we maybe start seeing guys a little bit more often tell their team, I'm not coming back, I'm not re-signing, I don't want to be here long-term. And, you know, when you mentioned Dylan Larkin, like, I think about that, like, is there any chance that at some point this season – we publicly see that Dylan Larkin is not going to re-sign, doesn't like where the Red Wings are, whatever, whatever. And I'm just using him as the example. Mm-hmm. Like, I do wonder if that starts to change around the league and it almost kind of, like, reshapes the way that deadlines go, go about happening, I guess is the right way to put that.
2: Because I really you, thought Ali was about to yeah. drop some knowledge on Dylan too. Larkin there. I was
3: like, what? I was like, oh, shit, Insider Alley here. Already knows that Dylan Larkin doesn't want to re-sign in Detroit. Um, but but it's just interesting because like you mentioned that about Joe Pavelski, and that was another one where right before the deadline, they signed the extension, his name comes off the market. I just wonder if we may start seeing it go the other way. Maybe a guy you know whose name has been up in the air then goes to his team like, yeah, I'm not coming back, and they move him. Is,
0: can I take a little bit more of a macro lens on this? Um, so every, every handful of years, this conversation comes up where they have a talk about the CBA and all of the players want to lower the UFA age. <laughs> and if you really, if you really see a big push from players on something like that, I do think, I don't think it, it will happen anytime soon, but I think you could see that age get down to
2: 25. Uh, they would have to give up something astronomical. I, I, I like, understand. They would have to move to like a 90 game season. I,
0: I understand that the owners absolutely will never, ever do that. And that's why I said, I don't think it'll be anytime soon. But if you see all of these players, Jesse is talking about all these players who are, are actively talking out about these things and saying, I'm only going to play where I want to play. Yeah. It could push that into the forefront and, make that a little bit more common with younger players, not having to wait until they're 27 to, to get away from some of these teams without having to go through the trade me route.
3: Yeah. And and again, it's just like you, 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 you look around the league and there does, there's more personality in the NHL today than there ever has been. And there's more guys who are willing to speak up on, like I said, speak up for themselves uh, like five years ago, would we have seen what just happened with Matthew Kachuk actually play out? Or is that something that the player would have done, you know, <laughs> what we've seen now a couple teams you just take a one-year deal. Let me see how it goes. This is a great organization. Not saying anything about the fans, the city, the team. But now it's just like, I don't want to be here.
2: I mean, I think – I don't know how much of that is players are changing because I think every generation you can find yeah. – you know, going even going back to Alexei Yashin, like, like mm-hmm. hardcore slap fighting with the Senators. You know, did we forget Mike Pekka held out an entire year because he didn't want to sign with the Islanders, right?
3: Yeah.
2: Or Islanders Sabers, I don't remember which one he held out from, and then ended up playing for the other one. Anyway, oh,
3: okay.
2: like yeah, like O'Reilly, everybody knew Ryan O'Reilly wanted out but the arbitration mechanism allowed them to get a deal and you know uh, a deal in place and then move on when he wasn't arbitration eligible the guy signed an offer sheet you know like there were there were they were able to kind of extend that relationship that they knew the player wasn't happy with but uh like they 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 i I wonder how much of that is just those were two guys who, for their own reasons, didn't want to play in Calgary. Two American guys that didn't want to play for the Flames, uh, for whatever for whatever their reasons were, you know. And it may have it may be total coincidence that they were both two Americans that didn't want to play for sure. a Canadian team. It may not be. We don't we don't really know because they're not going to come out and like dog Calgary, you know. They're not going to come out and be like, "Look, it's a shithole. I didn't want to be." Like they're not going to do that they're not going to give us an honest accounting of why they didn't want to be there. Um but the reality is is that they didn't. They didn't want to be there and there's always a handful of players. Pierre luc Dubois like I'm I bring him up I I would also be mortified uh uh trading for that guy. Dude straight up gave up in Columbus. Yeah. Well because like he wanted out of he wanted out of Columbus and now he he's making overtures like he wants out of Winnipeg. Now, he had a pretty interesting presser where he was like, look, I'm just not sure that I want to commit a, my life long term to a place yet. He's like, people change their minds all the time, and I'm just not ready to make that kind of commitment. Like, fair enough, right? Yeah. Especially for a guy early in his 20s, like, totally fair for him to feel that way. But that feels like a guy that either is angling to go to a specific place, and there's all the all the talk about Montreal and him wanting to be uh, with the Canadiens, or... He just wants to test the open market and see what he can get. In which case you're just like, I don't really want to trade for that guy. Dude. But I, I do think that there's a couple, like I do think that there's always going to be a couple of those guys out there where you're like, that's, that's, where are doing your homework. You know, you talk to the guys, you talk to the agents, you talk to people that know them. You just have to do your homework on a guy and say, okay, what's, what's the likelihood that we could turn this into a long-term relationship? You know, the Avs, the abs of the deadline this year, you know, there are people who are oh, that guy's a rental. Never trade for rentals. Yeah. Josh Manson, Andrew Cogliano, and Arturi Lekinen all came back. Right, right. Now Lekinen was an RFA, so he was coming back no matter what, but that guy signed a five year deal. Right. They are going by the by the time these deals expire, they will have gotten 10 NHL seasons out of their deadline moves this year. If think like if you if you do if, if if you do smart work and you you target the right kinds of kinds of guys and you under you understand what's happening, uh, and, and what guys like, what guys want, and obviously winning the Stanley Cup is going to help. If they don't win the Stanley Cup, or all those guys like, Whoa, we got to come back, we got to run about we got to play with this team forever. You know, it's gonna be tougher. But they. You just have to you just have to do your homework on guys. You kind of have to know what's up because some of these, like the Kachuk thing, the writing's been on the wall for a long time. Gaudreau was a little more complicated, uh, and now and now you you look okay. Who's the next guy to do that? It looks like it's Dubois. Um, the
3: I, the I, agent, the comment by his agent was just go, like lending yeah. back to your Montreal thing. Now I was like, that was dumb. <laughs> Why'd you say that? <laughs>
0: Uh, I do want to wind us down a little bit here as we are starting to run long. I did have one question for you guys, theoretical world. Georgiev doesn't pan out. Bring Varley back. Jonathan Bernier's out there.
2: Pick one of seven goalies from San Jose. Jonathan Quick, I think, is on an expiring deal. He is. So I would bring I would bring Varley back, man. I. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's right. I'm going to slip this in right at the end of our show, but that guy might've had the most underappreciated career of yeah. any player. This entire generation, not, not underappreciated have or anything, just underappreciated career overall.
3: I, I, we, when we were talking about, we were, uh, we did our show last week about your TDSP show, uh, AJ, where you guys gave all the best numbers. And we started with Varley and that was the first thing I said. I was like, this guy is in my opinion easily the most underrated underappreciated av ever and you might be right like he might be the most underappreciated like athlete are you talking Denver or just like
2: no I mean like like NHL player of like this generation the last like 15 years or so I, because I agree
3: with all of those things
2: he's been he's been a starting goaltender for such a long time. And like he had, he's had a couple of, yeah, he's had a couple of like blah years, but you're talking about like those blah years are few and far between. uh, And that he almost always responds with a good year. And if you look at the fancy stats, like he's had a good, he's had a good career that a lot of his goals saved uh, above average are driven by a couple of exceptional seasons. But anyway. I I'm still mad he lost to Jason Elam, the fucking kicker. Um, <laughs> it annoys me, but I, I'll just, you know, I'll move on. I'll let it go.
3: Angrily live with it.
2: Yeah. Kadri losing to Alfred Williams truly bothered me quite a bit more. <laughs> Megan, are you
0: stabbing Jason Elam as well down there?
1: <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> but I was going to add to the Varley praise that I was not always a goalie person, but it was actually Varley who made me feel very protective over goaltenders. So he was one of my favorites.
0: All right. Love it. Uh,
3: he Um, He was the only goalie that when all that conversation was going on last year about, do they need to go get a goalie, whatever, whatever. He was the only one that it's like, you want to go out and get Varley. Cool. I'm in. And same goes for this off season. Obviously, they went out and they got Georgia, but like if they were gonna make a move for like a solidified starter other than Kemper, for me, it's like Varley, or I'm not interested in any of the other options that are floating around out there. It,
0: you know, the Varley conversation is interesting. The way I feel about it is, the Avs are a very weird organization when it comes to goaltending, right? Because their first eight nine years of their existence, they had the greatest goaltender ever, um,
1: and the only repeat.
0: Well, the only goalie they've had that I felt really came close to that level of ability was Varley. And now granted injuries derailed that and there was some inconsistency with the ability to get there, but at there his was peak a really, it felt
2: really more. shitty team
0: in front of him more yeah, often than, than not. Yeah. But his best it felt it felt like Patrick Wall. And obviously the longevity wasn't there or anything, but I'm just saying
2: at his absolute peak. Yeah. He produced iconic moments in regular season games because he didn't really have a platform in the postseason to get it yeah. done. What sucks is that the raw reality is he blew that game 7. Uh yep. he didn't he was nowhere near good enough in that game 7. He was really good in that series, just not in that game 7 and we'll never really we'll really never get to know. I have totally derailed us, but that's all right. No, it's yeah. the end of the no, no. show anyway.
3: That game seven, I remember feeling so bad for him because he looked so physically exhausted. Yeah. But like he, He's like, I'm having a bad game because I can't hold myself up anymore. I've made – One, I've failed this one too
0: out. many 50-save games. Yeah.
3: Right, right. Like, I've, I've won so many games by myself. I I just can't – like, I can't keep going.
2: Yeah. He oh. was spectacular that year. And- yeah through five games of that series, he was unbelievable. And then he just, like you said, he just ran out of
3: gas. That's part of the reason why, like, again, I never wanted them to trade for a goalie last year. I didn't think it would have made any sense to. Yeah. But like, I did play out that scenario in my head once. Like how fun would it be if they traded for Varley? Didn't, you know, didn't trust Kemper and Varley gets to come back and win a Stanley cup with the ad. Like, I would have loved to see that guy win a cup as an ab so much just because he, he, he loved being an ab. And now something that I feel like people didn't appreciate enough with him was that he loved it here. Like I remember him doing that interview after he left, he's like, I didn't want to leave, but they didn't have a contract for me. So yeah, you got to move on. You got to go do other things. But like, I just, I, I thought he gave everything to the organization, everything to the community. Uh, and it was it was a real shame that he never uh, didn't get the chance for glory here. So, yeah, if it doesn't pan out with Georgiev, sign me up for Varley all day long.
0: All right. Uh, we are going to get out of here for today. Just things to keep in mind going forward. World Junior starts in six days. So if you're desperate to watch some hockey, that's going to be an option for you. Uh, I'm sure we'll have something here
2: and there about WJC's Uh Two abs, we believe. Two abs we're hoping are going to go there. I don't think USA has announced their official roster yet.
1: I I have to. Yeah, Oscar confirmed.
2: Yeah. We've known for a while Olsen was going to go for Sweden. Um, Barons was a little, but Barons is going to end up being a huge player on that team. He's making the team. Agreed. I refuse. (laughs) (laughs) So on that
0: note, we're out of here for the day. Uh, Of course, keep your eyes peeled. I know we got uh, a number of different things in the works for the next couple of weeks. So written video content should be coming out there for you. Uh, But yeah, until the next one, we'll talk to you later.